Well, Powell tells us it's premature to expect a pause and rates are going higher. We have some way to go, he says. Now, we've seen an ugly close in risk assets. The US dollar is shot higher, but the Fed aside, there's so much more going on in markets. And Blake and I discuss all of these factors and more in the trade-off. Well, hello again. My name is Chris Weston. I'm head of research here at Pepperstone, and I'm going to be joined by trader extraordinaire, Mr. Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics, and we're going to be discussing all the thematics that are taking place, all the themes, the flows, the setups that are shaping my world, Blake's world, and your world as well. So without further ado, let's bring the great man into the program, Mr. Blake Morrow, fresh from trading the FOMC. It's been a wild day. It's been a wild day, and it'll probably be continued to be a wild night as we go through Asia at the moment. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, I, I feel like I got whiplash a little bit today, to be honest. But you like that. It was, <laughs> yeah, no, I needed a little bit of a head bracing. You know, I, I I positioned myself fine for the end of the day, but man, intraday, you know, it, it really, uh, well, we're going to talk about the FOMC, but I, I'll tell you, it was uh, some whiplash price action there. So Yeah, no, it's been pretty wild. I think we probably might as well just jump straight into it. Let's go into Topical Thunder. I want to talk to you about the Fed meeting. Well, Blake, uh, I think it's quite interesting. Some of the news flow that we're seeing in Australia at the moment is that five lions have escaped from one of the local zoos. So I think that's got sort of occupying a lot of people in Sydney's minds at the moment. I haven't been asked really? to go up there and try and tame them at the moment, but I think that's something that's made me laugh, obviously. Don't they, so. don't they know you're a ranch hand? I mean, come on. I'm giving cows, it. mate. I'm giving cows, but lions, they're a whole different, <laughs> a whole different beast. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the Fed meeting because that's what it's really capturing. I think... Powell's done a pretty good job. Now, everyone's going to be saying, Chris, what are you on about? But the guy has managed to pretty much tell us that he's open to slowing the pace of rate hikes to more conventional paces, which was this step down that he's that, that people are wanting to go. But at the same time, he's managed to tighten financial conditions. So I, I think he's done a pretty good job in that situation. The market initially got pretty excited uh, and risk was, was, was very much put on uh, when the Fed came out and said that, you know, we've seen this what, cumulative... Um, uh, 370 odd base, basis points or whatever, the the biggest pace of tightening since 1980, which was when I was born. Um, but at the same time, they're, they're looking for a bit of a pause and reflection and, and they knew that this takes some time to work through the system. The market said, well, hang on, that's positive. They put on risk. You know, we saw dollar sellers, real rates move lower and the, the NASDAQ went for a bit of a run. But then as soon as Powell stepped up to the mic, uh, you know, he managed to reverse that and more. And it was a really ugly close that we saw coming through in markets. So, you know, he's tightened financial conditions, but also told us that he's open um, to a, you know, a lower a reduced pace of hiking going forward. So, yeah, what did you take out of the meeting? Well, it was really the comments that um, that their expectations of rate hikes are going to be higher than previously uh, expected in the month of September. Yeah. So that means whatever they were thinking in September, four point six. They are now they thinking, thinking in September was the median number. So yeah, yeah, and now they're thinking it's going to be higher, and that is what took the market down. Yeah. And you know, I was um, I was actually doing a live analysis with our group uh, because I had my uh, business partner visiting from Athens, Greece, so he was in my office. We did something special. We don't normally do this, um, so I wasn't actually listening to the to the presser. I was actually just looking at headlines and looking at price action. But I saw that price action reverse. 
I saw the headline and I'm like, oh man, uh, this is going to get ugly. And that's, and I, and, and I went from a profitable positions to negative position, turn around and then got into profit, you know, on, by the end of the day, which was fine. But that is where that, that, that reaction came from now. I mean, we have to just think about what they did is basically if, if, if you were in the camp, which you have, and we're going to talk a lot about positioning and where the market was at, where it was thinking, what it was thinking going into this that there was going to be some sort of pivot there isn't and that that is a fact you know and that that is what the market is looking well, at right now and that's why we saw the bigger <laughs> yeah so, yeah i think you're right the 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 the, um, the terminal rate which i i talk about yeah ad nauseum in the show uh yeah it went on a bit of a whippy ride last night but now we're we're sitting about 5.08% so the terminal rate has pushed above 5% the fed have told us they were not basically i think the mantra is that we're going to see a slower pace of hikes but they're going higher and they're going to be up for longer. Um, and that's something that we had to contend with. You know, Powell wants to see risk assets lower, I think is my mind. So that's that's kind of the issue that markets had to contend with. So whippy ride. Um, and, you know, we've seen some violent moves. Well, let's talk about the FOMC because I think there's even more violent moves in store come the end of the week. And I want to I want to think about what our playbook is going into into this, Chris, because Obviously, as we've been discussing here on the trade-off, quite a, a you know quite a bit over recent weeks and recent months, actually, the data does matter. And non-farm payroll is one of those standout pieces of data mm. in the U.S. where we have employment that continues to be sticky, mm. like inflation. It's yep. strong yep. and it's persistently strong. And um, you know, and you know, the market's looking for two hundred thousand jobs to be created, and you know, we we have unemployment rate might tick up to five five point three percent, but all in all, the data is still expected to be fairly strong. So if it is strong, and we do have this 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 uh, this uh, stronger stronger release on Friday, mm. think about the damage that could be done, especially in the FX market. Uh, and and S and P as well, or, or or broader equity markets, especially with the reversals that we've seen. So, what is your what what's going to be your playbook? Because for me, I'm looking at currencies like you know I lo- I look at I look at like some of the commodity currencies. They're not you know we we got nice rallies off the bottom, especially with the Aussie and the Kiwi and the Canadian turned the corner a little bit, but they really haven't. They haven't rallied that much. Yeah. So are we in store for new lows? That's kind of what I'm looking I at. Think the side, what are the, you the thinking I, here? The way I like to, to, to frame this is, is do we get a bigger risk rally um, on a downside um, miss, you know, a, a weak number, or do we get a bigger rally uh, in the dollar and risk a, a, a more defensive play? Do people take risk off the table if we get a strong number? Where does the bigger move come? I see. It's a hard one to answer that. I mean, the market's desperate for a pivot, but now that we've seen the Fed coming out and, and obviously going the opposite way, uh, it probably feels to me um, that there's more, there's bigger downside moves in in risk assets, a bigger move, upside move in the US dollar if we were to get a strong number than the relief on a weak number because the Fed, you know, it's going to take them a bit longer to change. So yeah, I think the risk is for the market is if we get a number. Yeah, let's say above three hundred thousand on the payrolls, and we were to see the unemployment rate tick a little bit lower, uh, depending what happens with the participation rate, of course, and obviously wages is a factor. And then I think in that situation, dollar yen breaks out, the dollar goes for a run. We see real rates moving higher, and I think the Nasdaq probably finishes, let's say, three percent lower in this kind of volatility regime. Um, but a, a weak number, you know, something a weak number would have to be something less than a hundred thousand. 
And then I think then you would get a nice risk rally, but it's still not going to change the game. The Jolts report earlier in the week, yeah, everyone was expecting and hoping that we were going to see job openings decline and see a cooling of the labour market. The opposite was true. So if you get a strong payrolls number, you know, a large increase in job openings and, uh, you know, the Fed just have to continue doing more and more effectively. And I think markets respond. So everyone at home should, should be asking that question. Where do you see the bigger reaction on a beat or a miss to risk assets? I think that's the question you've got to ask yourself, right? That's a great question. Yeah. Another one, that, yeah, we've got CPI next week, and that's going to be, yeah, it's, it's a huge one. The market's expecting 8.1% on the headline, 66 6.5%, so an unchanged reading. Again, why does the Fed take their foot off the accelerator when they, their job's not getting done? What's the point in the Federal Reserve if they're not well, actually achieving their mandate? Yeah. But anyway, look, Blake, this is more up your alley because we've got the midterms next week. And one of the concerns I have if we go into the midterm situation is that the US is going for a recession. We are, uh, there's a high probability that the US goes into recession second half of next year, probably like back of the envelope calculations. Now, if we have a look at what's going to happen, you know, every seat in the House is up for debate. A hundred, uh, hundred odd seats there. Um, sorry, four hundred and thirty-five seats in the House. Uh, they're all up for, and, and and the Republicans are expected to win that very comfortably. In the, in the betting market size, it's not even a, uh, a you know debate there. The ha- uh, the Senate's another situation with thirty-five seats of the hundred, uh, which are debate are contestable. And again, the Republicans are expected to do pretty well there. So that you know, if you look at the not this is not my view, so please don't hate me on this, Democrat supporters. But this is the uh, the probability that you can get on predictor or betting sites that the, the Republicans are going to control both chambers of Congress and, of course, Biden there, whereas in the White House. Um, how are you seeing this? And, and, and most importantly, um, I've got my own views on this, but I'm going to ask you, having to you know, live and breathe it in America, do you think this has the, pretend, the potential for, for any kind of volatility in the dollar and markets? I do. And, you know, it's, it's funny when we're putting these, these, uh, these topics together and, you know, here over the last, you know, few minutes, I was like, oh, crap, you know, we're talking about this and I got to talk about that. And this is going to kind of run into the next subject matter as far as, uh, as, as positioning and, and, and sentiment goes. But the fact of the matter is, is everybody is expecting for us to rally uh, following the midterm elections. And I think that is, you know, seasonally, that is a big, big issue where the market is expecting us to rally. And yet people are expecting that. And 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 we are facing a situation where, where the Fed is not going to let off the 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 um the the pedal. So with that being said, you know, no matter how things shake out during the midterm elections, I think you have to be sell rallies no matter what. I mean, it's just even if the market does rally on some sort of, you know, let's say the Senate is not taken by the Republicans and maybe it's by the Democrats and the market, you know, coincidentally rallies. I think you got to use that as an opportunity to sell into because of where where we're positioned in the marketplace. But, you know, I think the midterms do play into individual stocks more um, because you start thinking about like, oh, do I really want to be buying marijuana stocks, you know, based on who controls the House and Senate? That is that is, you know, what legislation is going to be passed. But for the broader markets, I think you still have to sell rallies. That's well, the, my the, opinion. The way I think that we've got to took it from a fiscal perspective. As the US goes into a recession, they're going to need some fiscal support. And if you've got a, a you know, Congress being controlled by the Republicans and you know, Biden can come out and say, I want to have a, a stimulus to help people out. I know he's constrained by high inflation already. The UK can be testament to that. But, you know, effectively, it's not going to make its way through Congress. So there's going to be no fiscal support. So it's all down to the Fed. 
The other thing that we need to think about probably for next year is this old chestnut, the debt ceiling and the continuous resolution and, and government shutdowns. Um, the Republicans are peddling this idea of, of fiscal prudency um, and you know, Biden can come out and say he wants to push this through and, and, and increase the debt ceiling. But again, it will probably get poo-pooed. So that could become an issue next year as well. So you've got to think about fiscal support. You've got to think about the debt ceiling for next year. Um, that's that's what I'm really looking at there. Well, you know, and like I said, these two segments kind of coincide and work in together because I really want to talk a little bit about positioning in the markets due to seasonals. And, you know, midterm election is like, it's a big one. I think the, the quote was, for the last hundred years, after every midterm election, you've seen a rally for the next, you know, several months. And then this is this is something else. I wanted to read this from the Stock Traders Almanac. November kicks off the best six months of the year for stocks, which tells investors that price return for the S&P 500 from November, that would be like today, uh, through April has recorded the highest average price change of any rolling six-month period, according to the stock market. Traders Almanac, you know, and you got Santa, the Santa Claus rally. You got midterm elections. Mate, you know, I mean, I've told you, don't hate that so, Santa Claus. <laughs> anyway. I know, but hey, but I'm just saying, I'm throwing it out there, Chris, yeah, because yeah. people position around these things regardless. Yeah. It's like emotional investing, which, I, you know, whatever it, it is a thing. It is a thing. It is a thing. And and the fact of the matter is, people just got their butts handed to them today following the Fed. And now in the face of a, a, a more aggressive Fed, I know other central banks are, are are starting to be less hawkish. That's right. But And I hate to say, but do they really matter? But do they really matter? They, in I think this they're case? very specific, aren't they? You can play the, the pound against the crosses, but if you put the yeah. dollar in the equation, then you're obviously trading the Fed. Yeah, right. Okay, and and so and and if you're trading any of the indices, you're you're obviously going to be influenced influence what happens with the S and P and some of the bigger U S indexes. No doubt. So unless I guess you're trading the question China, is, unless you're trading the Hang Seng. Unless you're trading, okay, China China yeah. might be an exception to the rule. That yeah. is correct. It just goes straight down. It doesn't matter how you position yourself, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm joking about that. But but for but j- jokes aside, though, I mean, you know, you think about the seasonality aspect of what everybody's trying to do and see how the market's performing what happens if seasonality doesn't work well, me, this year let me you have any thoughts on so i was going to say yeah, go i've just been really rude and cut you off the apologies i was looking no. at i was looking at this the other day because yeah we do get a few calls um uh, about seasonals and bringing them more into play um i will say that in the last 10 years um yeah last year the s&p fell what 0.85 percent in november but every year after that point, for nine years in a row, the S and P rallied. So, you know, if you've got the form guide, this is the best month to be to be long stocks. I know last year was the the outlier, but every year in nine years uh, for November, we've the S and P's been higher. Conversely, actually, um, this is I think the worst or the second worst uh, month for gold longs. This, yeah, gold has averaged a loss of two point nine percent. Uh, two and a half, sorry, two and a half percent uh, in November. So it's not a great time for gold. I think that's probably a good play. And the dollar does temp- tends to do pretty well. You know, an average is in November about 0.84% in its rallies every year for uh, the last 10 years, except in what, 2020 and 2018. So, you know, there is some strong seasonality in November. And, and, and that's something that, yeah, maybe you do need to be cognizant of. I think you make some good points there. All right. Well, there you go. Anyway, let's go into that so setup. Let's have a look at some of the charts that are on mind. Right, let's bring up the chart of dollar yen. Um, we talked about 
yeah, I've, I've talked about this yeah, time, time and time again, that dollar-yen's really affected by terminal rates in the US and also what's happening in real rates. And you can also say two-year treasuries as well. But look at those wicks that we've been seeing. This is the daily chart. I mean, you can just use it for an oversight just to get a sense of how people are behaving, the sort of bids that are coming into the market. Yeah, we tried, We tested that uh, that, that, that September, uh, that big move that we saw, the intervention high that came through in September. Yeah, we, we've just found really strong buyers. Look at the size of the wicks that you're seeing on those candles that are coming through. There's real demand to buy dollars into, into any kind of pullback in the last few weeks. I know that's fighting uh, a situation where the Bank of Japan potentially could come out at any stage and intervene. Um, but for me, like you know, I think you want to be buying um, rallies through one forty eight eighty as a momentum play. There, obviously, there's an art in buying breakouts. Um, but you look at the look at the support in dollar yen um, that, that we're seeing on any kind of pullbacks. How are you reading this one? Well, I'm I'm reading it as as long as you're above one forty six, it's hard to be bearish. And I know yeah. last week, uh, and I played the dollar yen to the short side till it got to one forty six and change. Then I wasn't short anymore, you know, ahead of the FOMC. But I think you got to respect that support while you're above it. You've, you've got to at least have that bullish bias as you get close to it, Chris. And uh, it's, a, it's a hard one to play. And I, I have been on the short side. I've been playing it and making money on the short side, but it's not easy. And and and, and that means that as we consolidate at these, these higher levels, um, you have to respect that. And that's a fact. Now, um, if if we start to see some of these other yen pairs, you start looking at like the, the sterling yen, you know, the pound yen or the guppy, I like to call it, Chris. Uh, that one might even be showing us a false breakout. And you're seeing like some of the Kiwi yen reverses yeah. some pretty key levels. You know, maybe the yen, if you want to play it on the long side, maybe it's not against the dollar and it's against some crosses instead. Yeah, I like buying strength. There might be a scalp. If, if we got into 148.80, there might be a scalp on, on, on the back of that. But you know, if it breaks through those levels, I think we take, I think we I think we go into one fifty, uh, and then of course that's when you're going to be look watching those headlines uh, for for intervention. So just just be a bit bit careful above one fifty. But I think we get a break of those highs, and then I think we get a nice run into into one fifty. I think that's probably the way I'll be looking at that. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to take us over to the uh, New Zealand Aussie New Zealand, excuse me, and we're going to dig down under for this uh, this Aussie dollar. And I'll tell you, Chris. Some of you probably remember this chart. The last time I brought this to your attention, and I know Chris talked about it in between times, and he was looking for a short, I believe, Chris, a couple of weeks back, and it worked out fabulously. But here we are, and you can see where we made those peaks, and we made peaks in the RSI. And every time we made a peak in the RSI, we peaked in price, and we rolled over. It's been a great short for me. I've been playing it on the short side. However, I am looking for a counter trend move, and I'm looking for a bounce after a nice you know, revert, revert revision to the mean type of trade. We get to the golden fib, which is the 161% extension. So sub 109, I actually have some bid, bids down below where we're currently at. I'm hoping I get filled. If I get filled over the next couple of days, I'm going to take it for a ride. I, I like it that the uh, RSI now is oversold. You can see it down below. Being oversold, we've had such a big move. I'm looking for a counter trend bounce back up towards the 200 day moving average, back up towards 110, maybe even a little bit higher than that. What are your thoughts on the Aussie Kiwi here? 
Fundamentally, I mean, you can. I, I tell you exactly why it's done what it's done. It, there has been divergence. It's been a beautiful trade um, from a, from yeah. a fundamental perspective. I mean, the RBA have obviously were the first ones to pivot, and we did it on the eighth of September uh, with uh, you know, Governor Lowe uh, speaking at the Annika Foundation. And really, since that point, then the RBNZ came out, and, and they were you know, obviously concerned with the currency weakness. So you've seen a central bank divergence trade one hundred and one between these two. I mean, we have just saw today that that that, that you know supermarket workers in in uh, in New Zealand. Have had their wages put up twelve percent again. That's inflationary. Um, so I, I, I don't like being long the pair at the moment. I don't like it fundamentally, um, but I will give you that the fact that it's oversold. So I like the fact that you know if you are if you are looking at this, it's it's just an oversold correctional rally um, and nothing more than that. I'd be looking to sell rallies myself, um, but I, I, I think yeah, you wouldn't get much more uh, in this market than than the two hundred day moving average. I think it's done what it's done because of a reason. People are looking maybe people take some off the table and that gives you a counter trend rally. But uh, yeah, I think everyone's going to be looking to sell into it. Yep. Great idea. All right. Let's go oh, that's to you. <laughs> <It's me. laughs> and that's to you, Chris. <laughs> so, momentary lap of uh, concentration there. Uh, it happens when you get as old as I do. But uh, yeah, well, last week I talked about player of the day, not trying to give myself a bad, bad pat on the back because I get a lot wrong. Um, but we talked about last week about selling the NASDAQ into the top end of the range. It's worked quite well. Uh, the question now is, uh, Blake, we've got this horizontal support levels, which you probably see much better on the hourly chart. Of course, we're uh, you know this is a, a weekly show, so we're going to keep it to daily. But you can see the rhythm, the structure, the feel of uh, what's happening in the NASDAQ. You know, today was an ugly, ugly session. You know, we, we came off, I think, about nearly, well, about 4.7% intraday reversal coming off that initial move that we saw from, from, um, from a statement and then obviously Powell smacked it back down. Uh, we break through this this horizontal level. We, we go into the swing levels that you saw, um, you know, October lows, potentially make new lows here. Um, do we buy into the, into, the, into the range lows? Do we buy into the lower Bollinger Band? Perhaps. Maybe there's a scalp there, uh, but it feels heavy, doesn't it? It feels dark. Um, you know, uh, where do we go from here, Blake? I want to ask you. Well, the the problem, and 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 I don't want to allude exactly to what my play of the day is, but it plays into the hand of what you're showing here. The Nasdaq has been the underperformer; it just has not performed well. I think the market's closing on these lows really caught people wrong-footed, so positioning is off here, yeah. and that's scary, you know, because that's scary for tech stocks. And and you know, we we're, we're we've we've chewed through the earnings season. You know, they weren't terribly horrible, but. I think there's things bigger than earnings right now, and that happens to be the Fed. And while the Fed's got their foot on the on the pedal, and the pedal is to the metal, you know, the the downside in the Nasdaq is it does seem like the path of least resistance at this point. Yep. Um, you know, fresh lows seem right around the corner. Uh, then we're going to be buying it for Santa Claus rally, Chris. Santa think, Claus, Santa think, Claus, he's will, coming to mate, town, I, buddy. I think we're going to get. I, I yeah. I've got to be open-minded and it may not happen, but I think you know, it does feel like there's a very high probability that we get a Santa Claus rally. What I will say about, about this is don't fight the Fed means continue to stay short and sell rallies. Powell does not want to be the man who is remembered as the guy who lost a 40-year inflation battle. Price stability is his mantra. He does not want to go down as the Arthur Burns. He wants to be known as the, the Paul Volcker, um, and uh, that's his legacy. So he is going to go after this market, and that says don't fight the Fed. It still suggests uh, staying short for now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we were to see a, a year-end rally. All right, Chris. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn your attention to the, uh, the, the poo-poo peso dollar mex. And, you know, I've gone on and on and on how I love buying Mexican pesos. I love the trade. I love the fact that it has not rallied 
with risk off. But guess what? Today, Chris, we really pivoted and really rallied off some key levels of support. You can see, Look at the candle. you know, some of that support. Uh, what's that? Look at the candle, the daily candle. And it's a gnarly, gnarly looking candle. And you can actually go back all the way to beginning of 2021. I didn't take this chart. I didn't want to squish it too much to where it was unreadable. But go back to the beginning of 2021. This 1950 level, 1950, 1950s, 60s, very, very critical support. We bounce like a bat out of hell. And we are seeing some risk off. I, I'm, I'm going to be poo-poo on the peso for now until we get back back to the 200-day moving average, maybe up to that range, that uh, wedge top. But I am playing it, and I'm going to talk my own book. I did short pesos today, so I bought dollar max. I bought it on that dip, and I'm playing it to the long side from here, Chris. So what are your thoughts? Well, I think anyone who's over 45 years old, uh, hit up the early uh, Urban Dictionary to understand what this word gnarly means, because I'm sure, yeah, this is Blake <laughs> revisiting his youth when he was uh, hitting the skate parks and gnarly man, but uh, yeah, maybe I'm uh, sort of uh, struggling on that one. But uh, yeah, like I like it higher as well. I think, um, yeah, you are fighting a carry carry position because the Mex, I think, you know, next week we've got CPI in Mexico and and that's expected to be another big number. You know, you've got interest rates, what, 9, 9.2, 9, 925% in in Mexico that gives you that level of carry, which is so nice against the pound, the euro, all these kind of places, certainly the pound with negative real rates. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it's had a nice move. That candle is, is just showing huge bids coming back into the market. Up she goes. Question is, do we see do we see the follow through? You know, buy stop orders above the market. Take take the take the ensuing move, and uh, you've got a bit of momentum play there as well. So yeah, I, I think it probably trades a little bit higher. Fundamentally, there's a lot to like about Mexico though, so that keeps me a bit a bit sanguine. But uh, yeah, I think you, you you trade the momentum rather than uh, than, than anything longer term. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, let's go to play of the day. Let's see the plays that are on front of mind. I'm going to bring up gold, uh, Blake. Um, if you think that the, the Nasdaq's probably going to go down to those lows, we break that support level. We're, we're kidding on now, uh, and you know, and every day is a new day in the market. We could see the market look at the Fed meeting with a fresh mind. We'll see. But uh, what I think is really interesting, and this is a setup, is this 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 horizontal level of support levels you can see uh, around that sort of sixteen twenty two level. That's a massive level for the gold market to be looking at. You know, do we come down? There's probably a scalp, you know, scalp long. You could probably pick up twenty pips or so on the back of that um, but my base case is that we probably break that the dollar looks good at the moment the you know, risk look like it's probably trades lower and I think gold gold takes that down so yeah well you might get a scalp off that support level because it is a major one uh, if we were to see a break of that then I'm short and I think we probably trade down uh, you know to the figure um, perhaps a little bit lower than the figure you probably see a stop loss run through 1600 but that, that's the one that everyone should be watching right now the gold market you know I think we go down to test the support level maybe there's a scalp there as I say um, but I think a break of that, that those lows, and I'm short, and I think we're probably trading to 1600, perhaps lower. All right. Well, Chris, uh, thanks for that gold. Because uh, tell you, without it getting above 1700, you just got to keep looking lower. And man, it's scary for anybody who's long. Uh, I'm going to take you over to uh, I'm going to take you over to Fangs. I'm going to do something a little bit different, Ooh. Chris. I know Fang. Yeah, you know we we're we heard breaking levels we have not seen since well it's a new low for 2022 for the uh for the for this i guess you can call it mini index i guess you, trade you know this for, are you trading but, this for an etf how are you doing it no no i'm not um what i'm what i'm going to show you is i want to show you that the the fang just as we closed at lows for the year 
Um, there are obviously different stocks that, that are involved in, in FANG. But if you take like two of the weakest stocks, which would be Google, and you take Google and Amazon, you know, Amazon, th- the scary thing is that's a consumer-driven stock. And that really kind of shows you how, how the consumer is probably faring um, from anything that's outside of food or energy. You look at Amazon and it closed at new 52-week lows. You've got Google. Same thing, but it, it, I mean, it's closed on 52 week lows, but that's like ad buys, you know, that's corporate ad buys. So that is a little scary from, from the economy point of view. But even if you look at Apple, Facebook or Meta and Netflix, they all still look pretty, pretty gross, but keep an eye on Google, keep an eye on Amazon and definitely keep an eye on the Fang mini index. Cause it looks like a good short. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, Amazon making up a large portion of the discretionary basket. You know, there's probably a trade long, long energy, which looks like it might want to break out. You know, short discretionary as a, as, as a play on Amazon there. You can do that via ETFs. Uh, it's an interesting one there. Anyway, obviously, if you've stayed and watched this whole show, thank you very much from the bottom of hearts. As always, uh, give us a like. We love that. We always do really well, and it gets the show out there because we want as many people to, to watch it as possibly we can. Um, leave a comment. We always get loads of good comments that we always read. And uh, we'll try and get back to them as many as we can. Um, But uh, yeah, thank you for watching and we'll see you next week for more of The Trade-Off. 